are listening to All the Backlist, a weekly show about books that are not new. I'm your host, Danica Ellis. This is episode number 415.5. And today I'm going to talk about a couple of book series that I read and enjoyed as an adult, but that I wish I had been able to read when I was younger. I find it really interesting to think about the way that I read YA and children's books now, because I still do read them. I read fewer YA books than I did in my early 20s. I don't even think I've read that many YA books when I was actually a teen, weirdly. But the way that I read them now is different. I used to really relate to the main character, including when I was in my early 20s. But now that I am in my 30s, I still relate to them in the way that I relate to all characters that we're all human and we all have emotions that I can understand and feel for them. But I don't put myself in their shoes. I don't feel like we are comparable in the same way I used to. Instead, I just feel really protective of them, especially in some of the YA that I have read recently. I just want to scoop them up. I just want them to be happy. I just feel so bad for the struggles they're going through. I think my very brief time as a teacher definitely helped with that and actually working with teenagers and seeing how much that they are just kids still. And then I guess in a way we kind of all are, but especially teenagers. And so I still enjoy YA, but I definitely am more in that parental or maternal viewpoint than I am the main character's viewpoint, which is kind of funny because that's definitely not how I used to read YA. But weirdly, that hasn't stopped me from reading it and enjoying it. It's just a different perspective. So I want to talk about a couple of the YA books that I read as an adult and enjoyed, but I wish I could have read them when I was younger, just because it's a different perspective. And as much as I enjoy it now, I know I would have felt differently about it and possibly liked them even more when I was younger. But before I get into that, I want to talk about our newest podcast, Book Riot's newest podcast, which is First Edition. It is started by Jeff O'Neill, Book Riot's co-founder and explores the wide bookish world. It is a variety show of sorts. It has all kinds of different segments. It's different every time. So there's interviews, lists, rankings, retrospectives, recommendations, and much more featuring people who know and love books. So there's definitely book rioters on there. But we also have all kinds of guests that are coming on there. And it's so exciting because I never know what's going to show up in my feed. So right now you can look at Kelly and Vanessa, who are a couple of editors who dig into the legacy of Are You There, God? It's Me and Margaret in honor of the movie coming out. We have Rebecca and Jeff who are trying to guess, trying to predict what the it book of each month 
is. And then there's a fascinating interview with Khaled Hosseini, the author of The Kite Runner, about the legacy of that book 20 years later, how it was written, how he feels about it now. So go check it out. That is first edition, and you can subscribe in Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. And let's hear from a sponsor, and then I will get into the books. Today's episode is brought to you by Bloom Books. Charming, easygoing, and rich, Xavier Castillo has the world at his fingertips. He also has no interest in taking over his family's empire, but that hasn't stopped women from throwing themselves at him. Unless, of course, the woman in question is his publicist. The cool, the intelligent, the ambitious Sloan Kensington, who is a high-powered publicist who's used to dealing with difficult clients, but none infuriate or tempt her more than a certain billionaire heir with his stupid dimples and laid-back attitude. She may be forced to work with him, but she'll never fall for him because he's a client and that's all he'll ever be, right? Right, girl, like we all know. So just in case you didn't know, author Anna Wong is the best-selling author and book talk viral author of the Twisted Love series, the King of Sin series, Miss Wong, got it going on, okay? Make sure to check out King of Sloth by Anna Wong. And thanks again to Bloom Books for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Tor Books. So if you are a fan of epic fantasy, if you're a fan of Scott Lynch and or Joe Abercrombie, but you want something a little different, you want a hero who's like a bit of a mess, then The Silver Blood Promise by James Logan is for you in its Academy dropout slash disgraced noble heir Lacan Cordova's life is in shambles. All he's got going for him is one, he is a card sharp of considerable skill and two, a lot of maybe potentially a little too much wine. So they're, you know, those are the positives. So when the bizarre murder of his father robs him of even the off chance of redemption, Lacan decides to make amends another way. He's going to unravel the mystery behind the killing, even if it takes him to the underbelly of Sophrona, a city of danger, secrets, and merchant princes. Finding the truth is one thing. Finding the truth and staying alive is like a whole other thing. So make sure to check out The Silver Blood Promise by James Logan on sale May 7th. And thanks again to Tor Books for sponsoring this episode. So the first series I want to talk about is A Tropical Fish Yearns for Snow by Makoto Hagino. And this one is kind of holding space for similar series like it. This is a very cute Yuri manga. And there are several series that have a similar style. And all of them I think I really would have enjoyed as a teenager. And I still enjoy now but I wish I could go back and give it to my younger self. This one came out when I was 27, so there was no chance that I could have read it as a kid or teenager, but I would have liked to. Surprisingly, I didn't read a lot of queer books as a teen. I started The Lesbury in my early 20s, just as I was starting to get into queer lit, and even though I had come out at 15 and being queer and a reader were two of my biggest personality traits, I hadn't thought to combine them. I was reading fan fiction for that. And maybe I thought lesbian literature was all like The Well of Loneliness. I read Jeanette Winterson, but that was about it. 
When I started actively seeking out sapphic books, though, there was a whole new world that was open up to me. And the longer I've spent there, the bigger it has become. There are so many more queer books getting published, and maybe even more importantly, actually being read than just a handful of years ago. I didn't read manga or watch anime as a teen, though there was definitely a dedicated anime kids contingent in my high school. It wasn't until college that I discovered the original Sailor Moon and Revolutionary Girl Utna anime, and later the manga. And all of that is to say, I really would have loved to have had access to this kind of queer manga that is out now when I was a teenager. This series in particular, it is very gentle. It has the kind of meaningful eye contact, charged touching of hands, and blushing courtship that you usually only see in historical novels. It's about two girls at an Aquarian club who become friends and maybe fall for each other. And I find it very sweet now, but I would have loved this as a teen. At the time, I both sought out queer media and steeled myself against it because I was used to media where lesbian characters died suddenly, they were punished by the narrative for being queer, and even love stories between women had to include suffering, including suffering through homophobia, especially possibly even hate crimes before they got their happy ending. There were examples of happy queer media, but it was definitely a lot more rare. This manga series has beautiful illustrations and a very cute love story between two girls. It's not absolutely spelled out whether that love and devotion to each other is romantic, but it seemed pretty clear to me, though I haven't finished the last two books of the series yet. My teen self would have gobbled up Yuri series like this if she had access to them. I wish I could go back and just hand her the hundreds of queer manga books that are out now, especially these cute schoolgirl ones that I just, I like now, but I don't connect to the way I would have if I was reading them when I was 15. I think I would have loved that. But I'm happy to do that on her behalf since I can't get these books to my teen self. And that is A Tropical Fish Yearns for Snow by Makoto Hugino. And now I have to talk about Protector of the Small by Tamara Pierce. So in 2014, I was running the children's department of a used a new bookstore. Shout out to Russell Books. Definitely check it out if you are in the Vancouver Island area. I still love it. But when I had that job, it meant you heard a lot about people's childhood favorite books from customers and from coworkers alike. And I had several coworkers who loved Tamara Pierce. But despite being a feminist book loving kid, I had somehow missed her completely. I'd never read a book by her. Meanwhile, I was also following Mark Oshiro's blog before they were the big time famous author they are today. They ran a blog called Mark Reads, where they would read and talk about books chapter by chapter, especially big famous series. And they were reading their way through all of Tamara Pierce's books, more than 25 of them. And I was heading to a geeky convention where Mark would be a panelist. And I decided to do a big reading project. I read a bunch of books from some of the people who were going to be there. And I also wanted to catch up with where Mark was. So that is how I ended up reading 26 of Tamora Pierce's books in 2014, all in one year. 
I'm really sad I didn't get to read this as a kid because I could have. This series started coming out when I was nine, and I would have loved this as a preteen. Like Mark, I read Tamara Pierce's books in the order that they came out. I liked Alana, but it also felt a little bit bumpy to me when I found out that it was originally a longer book for adults that had to be cut down significantly. That made sense to me. I feel like you could kind of see the seams, even though I really enjoyed it. And I liked Wild Magic, that series, but I didn't really connect with the main character, Dane, and certainly not with her relationship with her older teacher slash mentor. Yikes, that part did not age well. But then, the next series, there was Kelladry, the protector of the small. I thought reading another story about a girl training to be a knight, because that's the plot of the first series, would be a retread of Alana's story. But I was completely wrong. Kel is a, a very different character, and her journey trying to fight sexism to be a knight is a very different battle than Alana's strategy of disguising herself as a boy. They're going through really different things. But more importantly, I loved Kelladry right away. She and her family spent years in the Yamani Islands, where she learned fighting skills, as well as the ability to expertly mask her emotions. And she really needs both of those skills to get through the challenges ahead of her. Unlike Alana's fiery temper, Kel is contained. She makes friends, but she's not particularly bubbly. My favorite thing about her, though, is what gives the series its title. She wants to be a knight because she wants to protect the vulnerable, and she does that every time, no matter the risks. At the beginning of the book, when boys are trying to drown a bag of kittens in the river, she fights them, and when spydron monsters try to eat said kittens, she throws rocks at them and scales a cliff that triggers her intense phobia of heights. She goes up against these terrifying monsters with nothing, with no training, with no weapons, to save these kittens. And when she finds out that older pages are bullying the younger ones, she begins patrolling every night to fight them, even though she gets beat up and later punished by teachers every single time. Every night, she just goes out and gets beat up because she can't stand by and let these kids get bullied. And there are so many different examples of this, of what she does to try to help people who need it or animals. And she does all of this reluctantly. She really doesn't want to be a hero as much as she just can't stand by while injustices are happening. And even when they react badly to her help, even when she's taking care of a baby griffin who is just tearing her up and making her bleed, it doesn't deter her. And honestly, who am I kidding? Kelladry is my hero. I love her so much. I think she's inspirational. I've been listening to the audiobooks to go to sleep, and I've actually teared up while listening. I obviously love these now, even though I discovered them as an adult. I just wish that my childhood self could enjoy them too. And also somebody make a graphic novel series out of Tamora Pierce's books. Come on, we are overdue. And that is Protector of the Small by Tamora Pierce. Thank you so much to our sponsor. Thank you to our audio editor, Jen Zink, and thank you for listening. For more recs or general bookishness, check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. And especially make sure to check out First Edition. 
You can find a list of the books I mentioned today in the show notes by visiting bookriot.com slash all the books. And remember, if you're a fan of all the books and all the backlist, and you want to show us some love, please leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We sincerely appreciate it. And your reviews help other book lovers to find us. If you want to find me, you can do that at lesbury.com. That's L-E-S-B-R-A-R-Y.com for my sapphic book blog or at Danica Ellis on Twitter. That's D-A-N-I-K-A-E-L-L-I-S on Twitter. And in the meantime, happy reading. <laughs>